Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Yards After College podcast powered by kslsports.com. I'm Kyle Ireland, and alongside me every week, it's the one and only, the, uh, I don't know if you're number one, because I, I really enjoyed it as well, but you're up there with the uh, Mountain Dew fans of the world, Sam. <laughs> uh, Sam Farnsworth of KSL Sports Live on KSL 5 TV. Sam, I've got this uh, new Mountain Dew, this fruit quake. It's a fruit cake. <laughs> flavored Mountain Dew. Are you interested in trying this at all? No, no, I'm not. Look, here's the thing. I think of all sodas out there, Mountain Dew has really kind of taken liberties with, you know, they've maybe gone to the, to the next level of, of, of extremes, I guess, with flavors uh, that they try Look, I love Mountain Dew. I'm a big diet Mountain Dew fan. Um, and when they come out with a new flavor, generally speaking, I'll yeah, I'll give it a shot. In fact, I you know when we went down to cover the NFL draft, I bought that uh, that flaming hot Mountain Dew, and I made you try it too, right? And it was <laughs> yeah. better than I expected, better than I expected. But uh, I just think they've taken it too far sometimes, and that's just the latest <laughs> right there. The 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 fruit cake mountain. I mean, I look. Will I give it a taste? Probably, but uh, I already don't believe I'll be uh, adding that to my list of favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a favorite. I think after the 12-pack, I'm going to be done. Um, last <laughs> year, they had the gingerbread cookie one or whatever it was. I thought that that uh-huh. one was much better than this one. I really liked that gingerbread one. I know it sounds gross, but it was pretty good. I tasted I, it, didn't like it. I also was not like, I don't know, the last two years, the, the voodoo Halloween one with the mystery flavor mm-hmm. have not have not been a fan of that they need to they need to rethink the mystery flavors but look anyway they've, they've already got some amazing things there's two things they should do before they get on board with all these new flavors let's first get a live wire zero what's taking oh let's get everything zero can we just start everything on the zero and, level and a, and a code red zero right get those yeah. two get those yeah. two and then Agreed. hey i'll be good so hey and i don't know if you've seen this i don't know how new it is but i tried one for the first time a couple of weeks ago uh they had like the uh you know how they have the energy the mountain dew amp and then they've got yeah. like the kickstarts or whatever they the rise and all those ones they had a code red like energy one it tasted exactly like code red but um i don't know if it's supposed to just give me a little more kick in the morning but it was good not sure not sure no zero all right well, well sam uh we should talk about the nfl even though I, I could talk about mountain dew with you for an hour <laughs> that would be fun um we, we had a pretty wild week like I, uh, we were talking at the end of yeah. last week's podcast about the bye weeks and how there was like i don't know like six teams on a bye or something last week so i was kind of going into sunday thinking you know it's going to be a little bit slower of a week as far as me like putting up these stories during during the games on sunday and I was busy like all day on Sunday. It was pretty crazy. Um, the afternoon games, we only had two of them, I think. But like Bobby w- Wagner had that crazy jump over the offensive line and block the field. Go- I mean, like it was it was a pretty fun week, don't you think? Yeah, you know, and when you get to this time of year, especially when we're looking at it from a local standpoint, with how many buys you start getting into, you know, all the bye weeks, they they tend to slow it down. We talk about it here at uh, KSL Sports on the TV side of things all the time, 
each Sunday as Jeremiah is putting together his local segment, um, how sometimes, okay, we have to look for a guy who maybe just got one tackle this week because there's just a lot of extra guys getting rest and on buys and stuff that happens, but there's still always something that pops out on the screen. Like, Holy cow, that was amazing. Like you mentioned, you know, uh, Bobby Wagner, I mean, Zach Wilson beating the bills. Now I know it's not a one player game. The NFL of all sports out there, the NFL really requires every position to be right at the top. If you want to be a, a top contending team in the league, well, Zach, still played amazing you look look I'll, I'll i'll steer this to zach a little bit since i'm already talking about him uh his stat line 18 completions 155 what was it, 160 yards whatever it was um i'll have to look it up right here here it is 18 for 25 154 a touchdown i mean you look at that and you're like eh, right yeah. but they beat the bills and the one stat i will say look at look at this to to really get a good idea of how well zach wilson played and I know quarterback rating is hard to understand for a lot of people out there, but a rating of 101.1 is a very good quarterback rating for sure. a, a single game. And that was his rating against the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills have had a, a decent uh, to better than decent defense for most of the year. And, yeah. and Zach Wilson came up when he had to and helped lead the team to scores when they needed to. And, of course, that Jets defense has been so good that they, that they didn't need a whole lot to be able to hold off um, the bills, but you know what? We, we've said it before on this podcast, but credit due to Zach Wilson for, for being a big piece of what they've been doing to become the AFC East leaders. When's the last time the jets led the AFC? East? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least uh, what, 12 years ago or something like that. It's been a decade. Wow. So pretty crazy. I mean, we talked about it last week and I wrote that story on kslsports.com kind of just, talking about how he needed to step it up in the second half of the year. And it really seemed like all of that pressure from the the last, you know, 14 days or so really built up on him and he answered the call. I mean, like you said, the numbers weren't spectacular and I know you don't battle against the opposing quarterback, but like going to that, into that matchup, you saw Josh Allen and Zach Wilson talking pregame, you know, kind of laughing on the field together. And, you know, that was a marquee matchup uh, for Sunday and, Zach Wilson came out on top. Like, I mean, he, he played well enough to win. The fumble is the thing that was, you know, he probably had like two or three mistakes where I was like, he shouldn't have thrown that ball. And you expect Mm -hmm. that, you know, every quarter, I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw three picks in the red zone last week, right? Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did that. Right. He he hasn't had a great year anyway, but I mean, you expect a couple of issues or, you know, hiccups there, but that fumble, I mean, like Zach's got to just like protect the football there. Like he needs to like, emphasize that in practice or I don't know what he needs to do but like protecting the ball at all costs needs to be in the forefront of his mind look and and I know that yeah that's critical especially as a quarterback protecting that football not throwing interceptions not fumbling now you you can control most of it not all of it some of the turnovers aren't sure always sure just, sure and and I'll, I'll go back a little bit to what you said about also you know it's not really quarterback versus quarterback. You know, when I covered the Broncos, Peyton Manning would say that right away whenever he brought up, yeah, you're going against Tom Brady this week or whatever. He's like, well, I'm not going against him. I'm going against the Patriots defense. Or, you know, he was one of the first guys to always point that out. But I guarantee you, every quarterback, when they go into a game, especially against another high-profile guy, as Zach was going uh, against Josh Allen, guarantee you, even though he's not going against him, he is in his mind. He wants to have a better game than Josh Allen. He wants to go out there and perform better, be the better guy, be the best guy on the football field. I guarantee you that fueled some of what Zach Wilson did on Sunday. Again, yes, he did make a few mistakes. Yes, he needs to protect the football. I mean, it's critical that you protect the football. But uh, and, and it's unfortunate that, especially in New York, there's not as much patience for a quarterback to develop as there are other positions, you go back and look at another local who's having a great NFL career in Garrett Bowles and how he struggled the first three years of his career, league leader and penalties. And, and it was almost looking like, man, this was a bust. And then suddenly, boom, it clicked. And he's a pro bowl left tackle, one of the best in the game. Uh, you know, too bad he's got that injury this year. Um, Cause I feel like he's, he's just been moving forward from, if we have the same patience with quarterbacks, which they used to <laughs> right in the eighties, right. right. If you have that same patience with a Zach Wilson, I am a real believer that all of this 
will play forward into him having a successful NFL career, and it could work out with the New York Jets. They just got to be patient as a team. It sounds like Robert Sala is being patient, but can the media be patient as well? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So we'll we'll see. But but I, I like the steps he's taking. He's not taking giant leaps, but he is taking steps every week. Sam, uh, so I mentioned that Bobby Wagner play. I want to get a couple of thoughts from me before we we hit on your uh, three stars of the week as we do every week on the podcast. But so we talked about Zach Wilson, uh, a couple other highlights from the local guys. Uh, yeah, Jamal Williams, he ended up getting a, a two point conversion. Um, yeah. Didn't 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 get a touchdown, but still up there with the uh, the ranks of, uh, you know, touchdown leaders in the NFL this season. Uh, Devin Lloyd with a crazy yeah, they caught. They ruled it an interception initially, which kind of like as I was writing it, I was like, "This is weird. It's not an interception." <laughs> but that's what the stat said on the box score, so I'm like, "I'm like going with it." <laughs> and then, like, I put my story out there, and then like 20 <laughs> minutes later, they change it to a fumble recovery. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, right. thank you." So then I have to change my story all around. It's annoying, um, but seals the win for the Jaguars there. Uh, Bobby Wagner, like I said, has that crazy blocked field goal and recovery on the play. And then Dax Milne, former BYU wideout, gets his first touchdown as an NFL player in his second season with the Commanders. Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe a couple of those locals that stood out this week? Well, um, I, I really like Jamal Williams and the way he's been playing this year. And yes, it, it, it's very much every week. You, it seems like, boom, it's Jamal. And then he's really quiet, right? But you did mention... He got in on a two-point conversion. He still had 24 carries. It is clear now that he's the bell cow, you know, even with DeAndre Swift back. And I don't know if DeAndre Swift is 100% or whatever, but DeAndre Swift had two carries in the game. Jamal Williams is the guy in Detroit, and he's stepping up. He's rising to the occasion. Even if it's 24 carries, he still went for 81 yards. It's three and a half yards a carry. That's just fine in the NFL. Um, I wish no. it was a little more. Wish it was like four point three right. or something, you know? Because like, right. you know, then you're like, oh, if if we run him like three times, we're getting a first down, you know? Like that's my only thing with the the yards per carry. I'm like, ah, just gotta be above like three and a half, four, you yeah. know? Like then you then it becomes like where you're like unstoppable, pretty much. Yeah, and and for me, for me, yards per carry is like the first thing you want to look at with the running back, especially when they have a larger sample size, when they have the carries with them, because like you said, I think four is the magic number, right? Because then you think of it this yeah. way, three carries and you're, you got a first down three and a half yards. That's why I'm like, okay, three and a half yards is fine still. Cause yeah, carries, we're more, we're more about the yak yeah. on this podcast, you know, <laughs> yes. just, just going to yes. throw that out there. <laughs> 100%. Right. But uh, I mean, his, his 4.3 yards per carry so far this season, that's at his career high. And so yeah. I, I like, you know, again, love where he's at. Um, the eight touchdowns, that's a story that we've talked about a lot. That's just awesome. I mean, he's having a season that could have him getting his first Pro Bowl nod, depending on how things go by the end of the year. So uh, Jamal Williams has been one of my favorite locals to watch this season uh, so far. And I, you know, hey, if he didn't get in the end zone last week, it kind of feels like this week he'll be back in for probably two, right? <laughs> Seriously. No, he's he's killing it this year. Uh, I will say, like, I, I've seen this graphic going around social media this last week where some BYU fan picked up, you know, all these offensive touchdowns and stuff from these former BYU players and then said that there were zero from the the former Utah guys. Right, so you got like Jamal Williams, Dax Milne, Tyler Algier, like Zach Wilson, Taysom Hill. You've got a whole list of them. They're all offensive guys. Like all the BYU guys on defense haven't really done a ton this year. Sione Takitaki had a moment a couple weeks ago, but I mean it's pretty limited. And then they're like, "Oh, look, no Utah guys have any touchdowns." Yeah, because they're all defensive guys. Like they're (laughs) deep. I mean, Bobby or uh, not Bobby Wagner. Sorry, Devin Lloyd. Uh, we can talk about Nephi Sewell here in a minute um, coming up on the Saints roster, Chase Hansen. Like, I mean, they've had amazing standout guys, but like it's because their defense has been amazing at Utah for 15 years. Right. Like that's, that's such a, I don't know. Sorry. Like no, I just had to no. bring that up because I saw it floating around. I'm like, okay, like you watch Devin Lloyd play. Like, I mean, when was the last time that BYU had a first round defensive guy picked, you know, like, right. I mean, it's forever. Right. Yeah, 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 you know, and look, 
that you you said it, Kyle. Utah's identity for the past decade plus and maybe even beyond has been great defense and then a good running game for the most part, right. you know. And so ball the, control. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned it, you know, uh, Devin Lloyd, you've got Jalen Johnson doing his thing uh, in the NFL. I mean, just think of all the, whether they're doing big things or not, you know, Julian Blackman's out there as well. You know, Um, uh, as you mentioned, Nephi is coming up, he's getting his opportunity. So there's, I'm going to, I'm going to steer it to the other side for a little bit on offense. Yeah. Zach Moss, maybe things haven't turned out. Maybe they will start to turn out uh, with Indianapolis. We'll, we'll still wait and see there, but Think of a guy like Tim. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about Indianapolis in a little bit. I don't know how <laughs> things are steering there, Sam. <laughs> think of a guy. Think of a guy like Tim Patrick, though, right? Yeah. He was a very, very kind of just average uh, college football wide receiver, above average college football wide receiver. Statistically, wasn't anything fantastic, but his hard work, his athleticism, earned him an opportunity in the NFL, and he has been fantastic. Unfortunately, injuries have gotten in in the way for him uh, this year, but there still are. Um, offensive players to be excited about uh, from the U, but you're right. It's just the, the DNA of Utah and BYU in the NFL is more offensive players for BYU and defensive players for Utah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I just, kind of, had, I just had to call it out. Cause I saw it and I was yeah, like, no, okay, it's, it's like a skewed graphic. Like right. BYU fans are eating it up, but I'm like, okay, like you got to take a step back here and like understand <laughs> the perspective. Right. I mean, nobody, like nobody, in the NFL quarterback wise is throwing the ball to Jalen Johnson's way. Like they're just not throwing the ball to whoever he's guarding. Like nope. that, that says a ton about Jalen Johnson. Like All the way. He's, he's unbelievable. He's one of the best corners in the NFL. I don't know. I wish that he had more picks and more interceptions and fumble recoveries and all that stuff. Cause it'd be more right. fun to write about. But I mean, it's also like Jalen Johnson is amazing. Yeah. So anyway, just throwing that out there. Yep. Well, Sam, uh, it's it's interesting um every week i wait to hear who your three stars of the week are because sometimes like i'm like okay like you know jamal has two touchdowns okay jamal's gonna be one of the stars this week like i just can you know i can put that down in sharpie i don't have to write that in pencil and just figure it out uh this week you know i'm i'm fascinated to see where you go should we start with your uh your third star here yeah let's do it uh i was hoping for some points on the board from this guy, but it was still a, a very nice week for him. So here's my third star. Third star. Tyler Algier in the backfield. Patterson to the sideline. Here is Algier across midfield. Another Atlanta first down still going. Tyler Algier is finally brought down. At the Chargers 15 yard line, he gains 44. Couldn't find anyone, spins out of trouble. Uh And now thumps it off. And it's another first down and much more for Algier. And Algier gains 24. Okay, so on Sunday, Tyler Algier, career-high 99 yards on just 10 carries. Uh, He also had a reception for 24 yards. So there you go, 123 total yards. Didn't get in the end zone. You know, it is what it is. I'm still still, uh, waiting for him. I know he's got a touchdown rushing and a touchdown receiving, but I'm kind of waiting for him to have that game where where the two come together, where he's got a big yardage performance and gets into the end zone. Um, They put up a stat on Thursday Night Football showing how many – three 350 plus yard rushers they've got this season including Marcus Mariota and they've got four of them and so they're just they are running the ball a lot in Atlanta uh Algiers the leading back when it comes to to yardage uh but because they're spreading it out so much it's going to limit opportunities as well so he'd made the most of his opportunities again he's gaining the trust of his coaches went 99 yards on Sunday on 10 carries so he gets my third star not for what happened on Thursday, which wasn't necessarily his fault, Kyle, but I mean, it's kind of wild. Three receptions for negative 17 yards on Thursday night football. Yeah. Only uh, six players. This is from uh, NFL and CBS pulled this stat out. Uh, only six other players dating back to 1950 <laughs> had that in a game. It's crazy. I mean, but if you watch that game, I mean, yeah, 
it was one it was just a terrible football game i thought like yes. it was 25 to 15 but it was not an exciting football game to watch on thursday night uh it was just raining like crazy there in charlotte and uh the panthers came in with two wins so you're not expecting anything from them they've had a quarterback carousel all season so i'm like oh the falcons you know like they're probably gonna win the game they're gonna run the ball with like algier and uh, Cordero Patterson came back off of IR. I was like, okay, like they're yeah. gonna just keep the ball in the gr- like. It was unbelievable, Sam. Like that was such a bad football game, and those those plays where Tyler was catching the ball in the backfield, yeah. like Mariota was dumping it off to him, and there were like there was a DB and a linebacker on him immediately. Yeah. Like he had yeah. no chance whatsoever. I was like, yeah. I, I mean, that stat is like, it's crazy, but it's also misleading because it's not on Tyler. Like, it's really on the offensive right. line and on Mariota, nowhere else to go with the ball. 100% on blocking because Mariota was being just overwhelmed and was just trying to save his own yeah. life by dumping it off to his re- relief, you know, valve there. And and that was Tyler Algier. But the thing was, because of the poor, poor Atlanta blocking in that game, by the time I'll, I mean, by the time Mariota was even lucky enough to get the ball out with three guys on top of him, by the time Algier caught the ball, there was already one, two guys right on top of him too. So exactly. he had a catch for negative five, a catch for negative six and another catch for negative six. But it was just because as soon as he had the ball, he was just there. He had zero chance. So wild stat, I think it's worth pointing out because of the history that you mentioned um, three catches for negative 17 yards, but it, 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 if you're just looking at the box score, it's very uh, – you had to see the game to understand why. But Tyler Alger, I love the trajectory he's on in his rookie season. All right, Sam. Number two, who's your second star of the week? Second star. Sell that over, sell that shallow cross, bam, stick your foot in the ground, get out, and find the python. That can't, you can't do it any better than that. That's the first career touchdown for the second-year player. Drafted out of BYU in the seventh round. What a moment for Dax Milne. All right, there it is. Dax Milne, this is why I, I decided to uh, refrain from commenting on him a little bit earlier because I want to save it for now, but I'm going to give him props here. My number two star because he finally gets into the end zone um, in his NFL career on a reception. It was a short pass play, but, I mean, the guy's got hands. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily the easiest catch, but it was a good catch, and he still got into the end zone, got into the corner uh, where the pylon was for the touchdown. So I want to give him credit because I think – as the season began, seeing him return, play, playing his role in the return game, I was like, man, this is a really good fit for him. I think he's going to house one before Britt Covey houses one in the NFL. Was, and I, I'm not sure if I still stand in that area, but I, I really, I don't know. I still like him in the return game. I wish he would get, it's almost like clockwork. One yeah. target a game is about it. Uh, for for Dax Milne, but for this target, it seems like it comes in the second half too. Like he's utilized yeah. later in the game. I don't know if it's because like Washington has typically like struggled towards the end of games, right? They're losing a lot, and so it's like maybe they're just kind of rotating backups. And I also wanted to get your perspective on this too. Do you think that he'll be utilized more with Taylor Heineke at quarterback as opposed to Carson Wentz? Because it seemed to me like Taylor Heineke does a better job at spreading the ball around, like. To me, he's not the, I don't know. I watched Carson Carson once every week last year with the Colts because I'm a Colts fan. And it's like, I mean, you're just scared every time he throws the football, right? Like it's boomer bust kind mm-hmm. of a play with him where Heineke just, he's not going to explode and wow you, but I feel like he does. I mean, he's a great game manager, right? Like he's not going to be this wow player, but I mean, Dax yeah. could be like a check down guy for him, you know, and run those like, just five yard outs and those kinds of like simple routes where 
you know, Terry McLaurin could be the, the deep threat, but Dax, I feel like has more opportunity with Taylor Heineke. I don't know. I, I tend to agree with that. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch. It's only Dax's second year in the NFL, but there is familiarity with Heineke where there wasn't with Wentz, you know, Wentz being the new quarterback sure. coming up, right? That's a good point. Heineke's, Heineke was there with Milne last year. They were probably working a lot of similar reps together. I know Heineke started a, a bunch too, but, um, the, you know, when uh, when you're, especially this year, when you're working second team reps or whatever, there's probably a lot of Heineke and Milne working the same reps this year in practice. And so there's that, a little more of that familiarity, maybe a little more of that trust, a little better timing, which is big time for for quarterbacks and receivers. So I would like to think that that is the case, that that could be a, a reason why Milne might start getting targeted more. I would like to hope that that's the case as well. I want to see Dax Milne get more opportunities because he was a really fun wide receiver to watch with Zach Wilson at BYU. I want to see that same fun receiver in the NFL. We just haven't had that opportunity yet. All right, Sam. Let's see it. Who's your nut? Or I guess hear it. I mean, do you have any? Do you the have podcast, any, right? Do you have any, uh, for, do you have any for your number one? Yeah. Oh, Sam, <laughs> you had to put me on the spot here. I am going to say you're going to go with Bobby Wagner. First star. Let's go. Fifty-two yards. It is. Oh, and it's blocked. Rams smother it up at the forty. What a job! Bobby Wagner by Bobby Wagner, who's brought so much leadership. And so he takes full advantage. And as soon as the center goes down, he times it and gets up. Only the second miss of any kind. Point after or field goal. Wagner, the veteran in his 11th year. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Oh my goodness, Kyle, how did you know? Bobby Wagner is my first star of the week. I don't think he's gotten a star. Maybe he did early in the season. I don't know if it was my first star or not. I can't remember. I'll have to dig through my archives. But Bobby Wagner, man, that blocked field goal, that's all it took. First of all, let's forget the blocked field goal and just his season in general. Bobby Wagner for being in, what is he, he's in his 13th, 12th year or something. He is still playing at a very high level, still one of the best, if not the best linebacker, middle linebacker in the NFL. The guy is amazing. And then to do what he did to block that kick on Sunday was just incredible. First of all, you cannot touch a lineman if you're jumping over the line. Even if your toe just scratches the guy, that's a penalty. You can't touch anyone. You can't push off of anyone to get over the line. You can't do that. Now, if you can jump over the line on your own without touching anyone, fair game and oh my goodness for a guy that's been around the league that long to show that kind of athleticism that kind of hop that vertical jump to leap over the center he did have help from his defensive guy to keep holding that holding the snapper down right right? but to still get over and then the left-handed rejection uh of that kick that was an outstanding play Uh, as soon as i saw it i'm like my goodness that's the play of the week that's got to be my top star like you said hey just want to point this out you're aging Bobby a little bit. This is only year 11 for him. So 11. He's right. still got a couple more years in his prime. He's, he's still there. Uh, but no, that, that, bo- that block was just crazy. I don't know, Sam. 
you mentioned the rules there, kind of protecting uh, those yeah. those play those type of plays unless they clear that line. So that's why you see most of the time they put those speedsters out on the edge, and if they they right. can get around, uh, that's where you see most of those blocks. When was the last time we saw one of these kind of jump over the line, get the block that way? I mean, it seems like they are very rare, uh, and I, I honestly is. can't remember the last time that I I saw one in the NFL. Um, which yeah. made it such a crazy play. It's been a while. I, I'm trying to think in, in my mind because I know I've seen it, but it's been long enough and few enough that I can't pinpoint it. And I know I've seen where they've thrown the flags too uh, right. on blocks like that for, for the reasons that we pointed out already. So, yeah. It's really I, where you have to, like, it has to be perfect timing. You know, the, the jump's perfect. There's There's not an opportunity there where, you know, because I mean, split second and all of a sudden that's a penalty, right? So like, right. It, it was, you know, everything kind of lined up perfectly there for Bobby. Yeah. So he had that amazing play. Not only that, got to shout him out for what he did on the defensive side. He led his team with 13 tackles in the game, had a tackle for loss, uh, you know, eight of those 13 solo tackles. Like I said, he is still a pro bowl linebacker. He's going to be in the hall of fame someday. And he's only just padding that resume with every game that he plays. Bobby Wagner, the former Utah State Agony, still an elite NFL linebacker. All right, Sam, just a couple more things with the local guys before I want to talk to you about the uh, number one story in the NFL as a whole this week. But uh, earlier in the week, the Rams, uh, we were just talking about with Bobby Wagner, but they also waived former Utah defensive back Terrell Burgess. Uh, Burgess actually was picked up by the Giants. Uh, New York signed him to their practice squad, so he's he's landed uh, quickly with another team. And then uh, former Utah linebacker Nephi Sewell, uh, he went undrafted in April and was quickly signed to the uh, New Orleans Saints practice squad. And he's been on the Saints practice squad uh, since the season began, and they just signed him to the active roster. So he's going to be on the 53-man for a week 10 it's crazy man we're in week 10 already um but congrats to nephi sewell he's uh joining former utah linebacker uh safety mix whatever there uh chase hansen who's also uh with the saints on their 53 man so a uh, pretty cool moment for uh, nephi to to be on the active roster there and then uh just last thing i uh, put up a story uh here on uh, kslsports.com uh former utah quarterback and coach uh, Brian Johnson, everybody remembers him for uh, their 2008 undefeated season and Sugar Bowl victory over Alabama, but he's kind of had this meteoric rise through the coaching ranks. Yeah, he was obviously at Utah, Mississippi State, Florida, and now he's in the NFL with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and it seems like it's really just been the last three or four weeks, Sam, but uh, he's kind of been talked about as this like sleeping giant as far as coaching circles are concerned. And he was on Adam Schefter's podcast, obviously the uh, NFL insider there for ESPN. And uh, he he kind of discussed his coaching career. Um, he credits Kyle Whittingham for giving him his start in coaching because he didn't know what he wanted to do when he got done with school <laughs> there up on the uh, hill in Salt Lake City. But kind of a, an interesting uh, story. I uh, put up a story, like I said, at KSLSports.com. So I uh, recommend everybody go checking that out, especially uh, Utah fans listening to this. But uh, what do you think about Brian Johnson? You know, it's he's only yeah. been with the uh, the Eagles here for a short amount of time. And, you know, obviously they're undefeated right now. Jalen Hurts has clearly taken a step uh, yeah. this season with the Eagles and uh, playing some pretty good football. I, I, was, I was looking hit at his stats because I, I wrote a story about Brian Johnson a couple weeks ago, and I kind of put in what Jalen Hurts had done this season. And he had, you know, had like uh, 1,500 yards or something passing, six touchdowns and only two interceptions. And then I kind of looked just to see where he was after week nine and still only two interceptions, but he had doubled his touchdowns. He's already up 12 interceptions there just in a couple of weeks or 12 touchdowns in a couple of weeks. And then he's like 2,200 yards passing or something like that, 2,100 yards passing. So, I mean... Johnson's clearly coaching Hurts up in a nice way, and Hurts is making the plays on the field. But yeah, pretty exciting stuff there to hear Johnson being talked about as a potential head coach this soon. Yeah, well, it, so when you're a position coach, you look at that position group and how well they're doing, and that says a lot about 
what you're doing as a head coach or as a position coach, obviously, and, and how good of a coach you are, then the yeah. doors of opportunity begin to open. So the, the, I guess, natural next step would be for an offensive coordinator position to open up for Brian Johnson to really, you know, as a, as a quarterback's coach for Jalen, like you, you nailed it, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts is having an MVP type season. People are talking about Jalen Hurts as the MVP. The Eagles are undefeated. Brian Johnson's a big part of, of what's happening there and, and that success. The opportunities are going to come, and they're going to come pretty quick for Brian Johnson. Don't be shocked if already this offseason he gets interviewed for uh, some head coaching vacancies out there, even though I don't know that that would be his next step. Um, you know, the NFL and their Rooney rules, uh, which – you know, I've, uh, that we could spend another podcast on that too. I, I don't think they're doing yeah. that quite right either. But, but, um, but it it, it means that there will be opportunities to interview, and just that alone though is huge because it gets his name and personality out there. More people become familiar with who Brian Johnson is as a person and as a coach, and that only has the opportunity to um, to boost his reputation in the NFL uh, of who he is and what he can do. He's already got a lot of great coaches behind him that are probably backing him up. You know, Nick Saban, one of them, uh, from from when um, he spent time with him. Obviously, Coach Witt's going to back him up it, all the way down to former, uh, you know, Alex Smith. We were talking about this before the podcast. Alex Smith is good friends with him. Alex Smith will back him up too. You know, so he's already got this good network. Yeah, there will be opportunities for Brian Johnson, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I'm I'm really fascinated by it because. I wouldn't have thought just looking, you know, his, you know, short amount of time in the NFL, but it would be really fun to have him kind of be in those talks when you, you know, we hit that, that first Monday after the regular season in January and seeing his name pop up. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, but you mentioned, you know, that Rooney rule and coaching, it's been a big topic in the NFL this week. And uh, it's because of my Indianapolis Colts who are just, really bad at football this year it's amazing they have three wins and a tie because sam they could very easily be oh and eight and uh or oh nine that is sorry and uh my gosh they're they're really bad and they fired frank reich a week after they let go of their offensive coordinator which was a week after they benched matt ryan for sam ellinger and uh my goodness sam uh jeff saturday gets brought in as the interim head coach, he's never coached at any level other than high school. And his high school team was like 20 and 16 and won one playoff game. So it's not like he was even blowing away the, the high school game. And uh, it seems like, you know, he's got a really good relationship with Jim Irsay. And <laughs> I don't know if he got an endorsement from Peyton Manning. I don't know if that happened at all. But, uh, you know, the, it, the Rooney role doesn't impact packed the interim status right, of the coach right. it's only the full-time gig so the Colts will have to comply with that rule after the season's over whether that involves Saturday end up getting the the full-time gig or not um the the Saint or sorry the uh the Colts that is will have to interview a minority candidate for the the job and just on the spirit of that rule um that's where that's kind of violated in this um to me because obviously they're going to have to comply with it. You have to as an NFL franchise. Um, but it's just the whole the whole premise of that rule. I mean, it's been around for like two decades. And it seems like we're still having these conversations every year. And, you know, even with all of the, the you know, talk of racial injustice and things throughout the country the last couple of years, Sam, it just, it frustrates me that we're still at this point with the NFL as well. Like, there's, I mean, Eric Bieniemy, for instance, like that's yeah. one guy that I look at with the the Chiefs, their offensive coordinator, who's interviewed for head coaching positions the last few seasons. But it's like the first, I mean, like I saw they fired Frank Reich, and I was like, okay, I, I want the Saints or the I don't know why I keep saying the Saints, they're not my team. <laughs> the Colts, uh, the Colts should should go out and hire him. Like, I mean, Chris Ballard, who was the GM uh, for the the Colts, he has ties to Kansas City. He kind of helped draft uh Patrick Mahomes when he was there and I'm like okay like he's gonna talk to some people in Kansas City we're gonna get the enemy here in Indianapolis like it's I'm, I'm just I was getting all hyped for it and then like an hour later they're like Jeff Saturday's coming as the interim head coach I was like <laughs> you gotta be kidding me like what is Ursay doing there um 
I know that like I'm kind of all over the place here and I'm frustrated and emotional because I'm a Colts fan and I'm talking about it, but it's really just been a big talking point in the NFL, Sam, as, yeah. as how the Colts have handled it. Um, I can't remember his name. It's escaping me. Uh, the the Browns uh, offensive lineman, uh, Joe Joe Thomas, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Came out on Good Morning America. Uh, Good Morning, not America. Good, Good Morning, morning Football. football. And basically just like obliterated the Colts for how they've handled this situation. Called it like the most egregious thing that has ever happened in the NFL. I don't know if I'd go that far because there's been some pretty bad stuff that has happened, but um, it's definitely the craziest thing that's happened in the NFL this season. And um, whether it be the the Rooney rule that we want to talk about, or just the fact that he doesn't have any head coaching experience. And there's former head coaches on the staff there in Indianapolis who could have been easily named interim um is it just like a blatant take tank job by the colts and they're just trying to mask up all these right what what else what else is happening i don't even know jim ursay does weird stuff sometimes and this is the latest no not sometimes sam like (laughs) most of the time like 90 percent of the time it's weird stuff this is the latest in in weird jim ursay things you know jeff saturday's a guy that is super respected by his teammates that played with him he's a really smart guy you know, centers are kind of like another coach on the field. Um, they're responsible for a very important, maybe even the most important part of an offense, the offensive line, the centers calling out, the, you know, the 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 blocking assignments and, yeah, and all, all the protections the and audibles. all that stuff, right? They know every single play in the book, like the back of their hand, because... Well, not only to, that, they have to, like, analyze the defense as well. Like, exactly. it's like, they know what's happening with their 11, right? but they also, like, really know, like, the front seven, at least, right. of the defense. So, having said that, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a great. So, so yeah, you're looking for an interim guy. If if Jeff Saturday, maybe Ursay's thinking, okay, Jeff Saturday is never going to, no one's ever going to let me hire him as the head coach at the end of the year. So maybe if I hire him as the interim guy, see what he can do. Then you know, obviously Ursay really likes Jeff Saturday because you mentioned it. First of all, let's just look at the defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, right? Yeah. That's the guy that's been in the NFL for 30 plus years. This is a guy who knows the league. He's yeah. definitely experienced as a coach in the league. Throw the interim tag on him. He he would know what to do. You know how to And run, the Colts defense is actually decent this year. Like the defense is the the side of the ball that they're like, "Oh, it's like they they're playing NFL caliber football. It's the offense that's terrible." So it's like, "Oh, Gus Bradley's responsible for that." You know who the senior defensive assistant is on the staff? John Fox. John Fox. Why is Super it John Bowl? Fox the interim head coach? He's been <laughs> yeah. in two Super Bowls with two teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's a guy that knows knows NFL coaching. And look, neither of those guys might be the, the long-term answer for the Colts either. But if you're looking for a stopgap here to fill the season uh, and, and to remain competitive and to have some semblance of organization on a weekly basis in practice and in meetings and things like that, those are the guys you want to hire. Am I right? I mean, sure. Uh, or, or, I mean, it, look, if you really want to make a splash, Reggie Wayne, at least he's been on the on the staff for a year, right, uh, yeah. as a receiver's coach. So I'm just – I don't know. I don't get it. We'll see what happens. I don't hate Jeff Saturday, but I just think no, this, this, this is not – No, yeah. Crazy move. So. It's not an indictment on Jeff Saturday at all because if anybody was – I mean, I won't say anybody, but most people getting that call, hey, come in, do you want to be an NFL head coach? Like, you'd be crazy not to take that opportunity unless you're just like, Hey, I mean, even Jeff Saturday was like, why are you calling me? That's what he said to Ursay. But <laughs> I mean, unless you're just so like, Hey, you know what? Like I'm definitely not qualified for this. And like the Rooney rule or whatever other reasons you want to give, like, unless you're going to do that, like, but most people selfishly would be like, yeah, I want that opportunity. And like, I don't blame Saturday for taking it at all. I don't think that's on him. It's just like Ursay and the chaos that is the Indianapolis Colts right now. And it's an embarrassing thing for that organization. And, uh, you know, I just, I look at, you you mentioned, you know, bringing him in possibly at the end of the season, I I would actually find it more respectable to bring him in as the full-time coach after a season ends and you have a full interview process and, you know, you have the Rooney rule in place. I mean, like people would still talk about it. If you don't hire a minority coach, like it would just happen because it should happen because there are not enough minority head coaches in the NFL. 
And th- like you mentioned, Reggie Wayne, it's like Reggie Wayne's on the staff. Like, yeah, he's he's part of that like legacy that Ursa yeah. is clearly fascinated with reaching back, you know, 12, 15 years. And he wants to have those guys be brought back in the building. It's like he was already in the building. Like, why are you not yeah. elevating him? I just there are so many different levels that I'm just like, OK, this is so far fetched and off the wall. It just it frustrates me as an NFL fan, as a Colts fan. I, I really hope that, you know, the enemy gets a, a call. Brian Johnson, like, I mean, yeah. the Colts are clearly done with the retread quarterback thing of Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and all these, you know, guys that have been on other teams and are kind of at the end of their, their life there with, with whatever franchise they've been with. The Colts need to go get a young quarterback, a Jalen Hurts type. I'm not saying that, like, they're, they're going to get some, right. you know, exact kind of uh, model of that but they're gonna they're gonna get a young quarterback in the nfl draft this next year i just i can't believe that they won't draft one so bring in a guy like jelly uh brian johnson who's had success clearly with a young quarterback yeah. right and see what he can do like he's clearly a young star and that's really what all these teams in the last five ten years have been trying to do sam is hire those young up-and-coming stars like a brian johnson so i'd love yeah. to see that kind of happen for indianapolis just for my own selfish reasons but i also think that it just it would speak volumes to kind of like rectifying the situation that has been just a, a crash of, of a season for the Colts. Definitely been rough. It, this is definitely a sign that they've thrown the white towel or waved the white towel, whichever way you want to look at it on the season. Yeah. Um, hey, it's rough. If they, if they I, go I, out. I'm sorry to Colts fans. Hey, uh, we, we don't need any, any pity. It's, it's just, <laughs> we brought this upon ourselves by rooting for that team. I will say though, Sam, the only thing that'll make this situation better is if they get a franchise quarterback out of it in the uh, in Naples draft. All right, Sam, I've uh, talked about the Colts enough on this podcast and the frustrations that they bring me. Uh, I want to get before we uh, we end today, and I know I've gone long. I just I'm a I'm a frustrated person right now when it comes <laughs> to football, so I'm talking a lot. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on uh, the game of the week for you this next week, week ten. Uh, while you're thinking about your game, my game of the week is going to be Sunday morning football. Uh, we've yeah. got the Seahawks and the Bucks. They're going to uh, Munich, Germany. It's the first game uh, in Germany, which is pretty cool. We've had these London games, but yeah. get up early on Sunday and get to see a really surprising Seahawks team that's six and three. Geno Smith's playing. I don't know if he's Jalen Hurts MVP level, right? But like he's got to be in that conversation of you mentioned him as a comeback player of the year earlier, but like, I think he's playing really good football. If he can keep the turnovers away, you know, like that's, that's a good football team. And then uh, Tom Brady had that amazing comeback in the fourth quarter. It looked vintage last week. Right. So I'm interested to see if they can replicate that. Um, So that's the reason why I'm excited for that game on Sunday, Sam, what's your, uh, your eye on for next week. I like that. I like that. There's um, 7 30 AM mountain time kickoffs with these European games almost every week (laughs) that kind of gets your uh, NFL football weekend started early. Uh, Side note, but I was talking to someone this last week who mentioned that that was the only game they watched this last week and they loved it, that it was on at seven in the morning. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, look, that game between the Vikings and Bills is a hard one to to not want to see because are the Vikings really – for real they, with Kirk Cousins. They haven't played year. anybody really. Right. So does, you know, because I, sure, the Bills lost to the Jets last week, but the Bills are still a really good football team. So sure. I'm interested to see how the Vikings play in Buffalo uh, against this Bills team to see just how real or, or not these Vikings are halfway through the season. That's a game that really stands out to me, I think, uh, on the schedule this week. Um, I, I, I wish I could pick another one. <laughs> because <laughs> I keep looking at it because I'm, to be honest with you, I am not interested in the Vikings at all, but. Uh, <laughs> hey, I will say Sunday night football is pretty good. I know we really plug that um, just because it's on our airwaves, but mm-hmm. uh, KSL five uh, on Sunday night, uh, six twenty. you've got the chargers taking on the 49ers. I think that that's a good game just because I really am fascinated with seeing Christian McCaffrey again in the 49ers offense, seeing if yeah. he can kind of continue. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, that last game for them. And so the chargers have been really weird this year. Um, Really? I mean, since the Mm -hmm. the last game of the season last year, it seems like they've just been like 
they haven't found a good rhythm. So I'm interested to see if they can beat a, a good 49ers team. Um, they're in San Francisco, I guess Santa Clara that is, but yeah, I, I think that that'll be a fun game as well. And so if I pick a second game, um, look, the dolphins have been fun to watch this year and yeah. I know they're playing the Browns say what you want about the Browns, but Tua and Tyreek Hill just have something going that just feels like it's almost like you want to see them every week. And so that's another team that, that catches my attention every week. Once I see that, that game's on, I'm going to tune over and watch them for a bit, you know, has nothing to do with Tyreek being on my fantasy team, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm saying, oh, that's funny. No, that, that, that they have been fun to watch this year. Hey, if, if he continues on the pace that he's on, I mean, he's going to get 2000 yards. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. He's, he might end up being the offensive player of the year which is pretty wild uh, for Miami there. All right, Sam, what do you got to plug for us on KSL Sports Live? Big weekend here in the state of Utah, the weekend of November uh, 11, 12, and 13, because we've got state championship football happening for high school football. And we always talk about locals in the NFL. This is where a lot of them originate from. They're on the big stage at Rice-Eccles Stadium for the semifinals in 5A and 6A. 1A through 4A are playing their championship games down at Utah Tech in St. George, Utah. And yeah. there are a handful of kids out there that I guarantee you will make that step eventually in their careers to be in the NFL someday. It just, it blows my mind uh, still since I've moved back to Utah, just how great our high school football is in this state and how many of these kids have gone on to succeed at a high level in division one. And, and then even beyond that, um, you know, we talked about a couple of them, Zach Wilson, Dax Millen today, and it goes beyond that even, but, um, man, I, I love seeing the talent that we have. So that's going to be a big part of our weekend, along with our NFL football action and locals in the NFL. He's Sam Farnsworth. You can find him on Twitter at Samsworth underscore KSL and on Instagram now, Sam, uh, at oh, Samsworth underscore TV. Uh, so make sure you're following Sam on on all of the socials and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Ireland and until next week be sure to check out all things KSLSports.com and make sure you're downloading the KSL Sports app as well